0: You're listening to The Collective Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. As Rob said, this morning we're going to be doing a little uh, tag team, and um, we're going to be speaking about this moment of Pentecost.
1: Uh, We actually really enjoyed preparing together this week. Um, We had a lot of chats, a lot of discussions, and also a lot of debates We asked each other a lot of questions, um, and we just realized the Holy Spirit is such a real part of our lives. He's the well that we drink from daily, and um, so it was actually really fun to do this together this week.
0: I'm going to kick us off. So we're going to start in Acts 2. I'm just going to read Acts 2, 1 to 13. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering it was all anyone could bear. Then, all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues and powered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Now, at the time, there were Jewish worshippers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the power of when the people of the city heard the roaring sound crowds came running to where it was coming from stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language bewildered they said to one another aren't these all galileans so how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages we are northeastern iranians northwestern iranians elamites the um those from mesopotamia judea East-Central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, North-Central Turkey, Southern Turkey, Egypt, Libya, who are the neighbours of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. They all stood there, dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, What is this phenomenon? But others poked fun at them and said, they're drunk on new wine. In preparing for this um, preach I I came across this quote by N.T. Wright and it says, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, the fire has leapt out of the furnace and has set the rest of the house on fire. And in my little portion I want to unpack this thought that at Pentecost we see all of heaven through the Holy Spirit endorsing us as humans in all our uniquenesses and all our differences. I've just finished watching a series called The Last Dance on Netflix um, and it's 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 about um, Michael Jordan and his, his run that he did at uh, Chicago Bills, basketball documentary. One of the best documentaries I've watched, I'm driving my friends crazy because I'm telling them about it every five minutes, but it's really, really worth the watch because you get this, they had one of the most successful runs in basketball history, but you get this insight into the life of, of these famous basketball players. And obviously it focuses on Michael Jordan, one of the greatest sportsmen to ever live, in my opinion, after watching this documentary. But you just see all the preparation that happens behind the scenes. And obviously one of his biggest endorsements was, was Nike, the shoe brand. And he had his own brand called Nike Air Jordan. But for someone, a company like that to endorse you, there's a, there's a certain level of skill and talent you've reached. You know, you put the hard hours in, you've, you've done 20 hours on the court, you go to bed late, you wake up early, you eat the, you eat the right food, you, you're very focused and you're very disciplined. Again, you get this good snapshot into, into the, um, Michael Jordan's life in this time. And so, I was thinking about that and saying, well, what's interesting and what you're going to hear today is, I want, we want to leave you with this thought that you are endorsed by heaven, not by what you've done, but by everything Jesus has done by Him facing the cross, by all, all His efforts. And what we hope that y- you walk away with is that your imaginations are woken to dream with God, to realize that you are walking in victory and you are walking in strength, even, in all this, even amidst all this uncertainty. So that's what we pray you are left with today. And so I'm going to start um, in Genesis 11. And I, I want to speak about the Tower of Babel because I think this this account of what happened at the Tower of Babel provides quite a um, a good backdrop to what I want to say for us to help um, understand and realize the significance of Pentecost. And so I'm just going to sum it up. But basically what we see is um, the chapter starts off in, in Genesis 11. We see the people of God all speaking the same language, fulfilling this purpose that God has um, given them to spread out across the earth and multiply. So they're doing this well, they're moving, they're spreading, and what happens is they come to this certain area um, called the land of Shana, I'm sure you all know where that is, and something kind of begins to creep in and they start ignoring this plan of God and this purpose of God for them to spread and multiply, and they stop. And in Genesis eleven four it says, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches heaven. Let's make ourselves famous so we won't be scattered here and there across the earth. You see, they didn't want to dilute themselves anymore. They wanted to concentrate their power. And so some prideful ambition kicks in, and they need to build this tower to help themselves reach this godlike status. They are literally trying to build a tower to reach the actual heavens and open heaven's gates seems pretty silly in hindsight when you think about it but while endeavouring to be like God they've completely disconnected themselves from each other and from their intended purpose. And so while they're building something happens, God steps in and he shows some appreciation to the ambition like we would show some appreciation to our kids playing Jenga. Wow you got pretty high here guys. But he decides "This, this, this needs to stop and so he gives him these different languages And he confuses them. And so they do stop. And what happens is they begin to spread again because they no longer can understand each other. And they can no longer kind of accommodate each other. They can no longer see each other. And so they spread out again. And now we skip ahead to Acts 2 in Pentecost. And we see disciples who have been told by Jesus, wait for my coming Holy Spirit. And so we see on a specific day, we see 120 of them banding together praying and waiting. Outside in the city, we see a bustling town. We see people from everywhere, different languages. They've all migrated to this certain area to start life, to begin a new life for themselves. And something happens here as well. They hear the sound of a roaring wind. And this fire falls, it breaks out into tongues and falls on the people and this loud sound resonates. It's the sound of people declaring the gospel and the wonders of God in different languages. And this bustling little town gets drawn in as they hear the gospel being preached in their own language. They come running and um, Peter stands up um, and preaches in a a confidence that he's never known before. And as we know, the story goes, 3,000 people get added to the family of God that day. In Acts 2.17, when Peter's preaching, he quotes from Joel's prophecy and he says... This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody, and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy, and your young men to see visions. Your, your young men will see visions. Your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and the wonders in the. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above, and mighty miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillars of clouds will appear, for the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red. Before that, great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is part of his preach, his Pentecost preach. And up to that point, what we need to realize is that God was a very exclusive God um, in their minds. He didn't help the outsiders. Um, this was the promised Holy, This was our promised Messiah coming. This was our Holy Spirit coming, not everyone else's. What we see here, and, and, and Peter's declaring this, is that the Spirit of God is pouring over all people. Peter was saying, guys, basically this gospel is being translated in different languages. Look, look at all these people coming, look at all these people running, look at all these people being added to the family of God. And skipping ahead now to Saul becoming the Apostle Paul, it's another significant moment. In the earliest days of the Christian church, faith was, um, was perceived as a threat to the religious elites of the day. I mean, just look at the life of Jesus and you'll see how many times he offended um, the religious elites of the day. Um, but he has Paul, a tribalist and a preacher of his view of his exclusive view of God. I mean, he declared himself, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I am extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. You can find that in Philippines and Galatians where he talks about that. And so in the defense of his specific view, he's on the way, literally on the way to go and arrest and kill Christians. And he has this dramatic encounter with Jesus and this fire that leaps out of the fireplace it's so dramatic that he goes home and it takes him years to unpack this and to encounter this, this, um, this, this encounter he's had. It takes him years, literally several years to unpack this thought. And he emerges as Paul, the apostles of the outsiders. And a proclaimer of God's plan to reconcile not whoever I feel is fit, but all of creation. And Paul, he sums up the gospel so beautifully in this one line. I spent time this week just googling the gospel in one line and looking at scriptures. And I felt this scripture for me just sums up the gospel so beautifully in one line. It says, For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God, was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Remember Joel's prophecy, I'll show you signs in the earth and the the heavens. You're, um, by making peace through the blood of Christ. This is Colossians 1 verse 19. Paul is saying the gospel is a declaration of what our Father in heaven believes and desires for all humanity. His desire is to reconcile all of us. And now back to Pentecost. We see his disciples go, we see this desire of the Lord to bring us together, go to another level. He pours himself, out of, of, over, pours himself out over all his people and everyone is shocked. Even the outsiders, they're like, well, what is going on? I mean, I'm hearing my language spoken here. And they all come together in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost says, our human divisions are overcome and our ability to, communi- to commune with each other again is restored. Babel is undone. At Babel, where differences meant disconnection, let's be exclusive as it keeps us stronger, let's build our own empires that we can escape to so that it can keep us separated and disconnected from our own realities and being attentive to our neighbors. Let's just build our own little towers. And while they were in their own strength um, trying to selfishly force themselves into heaven, literally, um, God says, stop, stop. And he breaks that down. And what we see, heaven comes to us. Heaven comes down to us. Jesus was this picture that helped us understand what it's like to make sense of all this going around us. What it's like to live this life. What it's like to live in love. What it's like to live in intimacy and union with God. What it's like to love your neighbor. Jesus comes as this picture for us. What it's like to live in unity with each other. And then, at Pentecost, we see all of heaven endorsing us. In all of our humanity at the culmination of the gospel that's the climax or the crescendo of the gospel the gospel was never meant to stop at Jesus' death it was never meant to stop at his resurrection it was never meant to stop at his ascension the gospel culminates in this moment of Pentecost where the church is birthed in all its uniqueness and difference The more we try to contain this outpouring or concentrate this encounter to one little space, the more it dilutes its power, the more blandness and sameness kicks in. But the more you spread it, the more it bears fruit, the stronger it becomes. It's a bit of an upside down way of looking at it. And just in case we remained at purely being impressed at Jesus' life and we can look and become sort of admirers of this moment of Pentecost, well, that was an amazing moment. Jesus shows us that the story doesn't end with him. It continues in this moment of the birthing of the church and it's spread through all of us in all our differences. And so to conclude my portion before Neen starts, the Tower of Babel represents our concepts of God, God out there, God we have to try to reach, Um, it keeps everything and everyone at arm's length, it represents our own strengths and our own efforts and our own egos, Pentecost represents God the reality, God coming down to us and bringing us together, it represents living in union with him and each other. Our conceptions, our concepts of God, can be those towers that we escape to, which keep us disconnected from our realities and being attentive to our neighbors and, and everyone else's fears and needs. The more, and the more disconnected we grow. Isaiah 53 verse three says, Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus wasn't removed from our, human, um, our, our realities. He didn't leave the human sphere. He came as Messiah kneeling in the dust of our doubts, faced the dynamics of relationship, of harsh realities, of disconnection, of cultural differences, of doubts, of fear, and he healed them all. This is what makes him our merciful high priest, all of our merciful high priest, our wounded healer, everything for every need. The life of Jesus and this moment of Pentecost is the standing picture of all of us. In our full and final destiny, it's a pledge and guarantee of what the Father will do with our lives.:
1: Wow. <laughs> I really love um, it's powerful. Um, I really love what Sean was saying about um, the gift of tongues that was poured out on Pentecost, and um, it actually reminded me of um, our last trip we um, did overseas to Australia about 18 months ago, and um, we took a drive, quite a long drive to this tiny little town, um, and we're in this random little store, and suddenly from across the store we hear this couple having this loud conversation in Afrikaans, and suddenly this fire lit in our hearts, and we just ran over straight to them and we just shook them we we're like, we're from South Africa too. There was just no introduction needed, there was just instant recognition. And um, so I just love, it just felt like such a powerful picture of just how um, God met each person in their own language. Here was all these expats who had travelled from their own homeland, and God met them and took them home in an instant. Suddenly, just as we were united with these strangers, um, it was as if we knew each other's origins, we knew each other's history, we knew each other's story, we were instantly um, had become family. Um, And so I love that picture of how Pentecost just united um, the people who were once so different. Um, and also, just how it united us back to the heart of the father of our origin of our home, and um, so I just want to speak about um, the two ways that we see the spirit poured out on that day of Pentecost. Um, we see the the fire the, the fire falling on the people, and we see the spirit filling um, hmm. the room like a wind hmm. um, and On that day of Pentecost, we see the Spirit being poured out and remaining on humanity. And that was what set the the new covenants apart from the old covenants. Um, In John 1 verse 32, um, John the Baptist speaks about how God told him that the one who um, would be set apart to baptize with the Holy Spirit would be recognizable because he would be the one that the Spirit would land on and would stay on. Um, And in that encounter where Jesus is baptized we see the Spirit of God coming down from heaven like a dove and landing on Jesus, and it's almost a redemption of the dove that Noah sends out into the world um, that flew back and forth among the waters looking for somewhere to land. Hmm. And finally that spirit of the presence of God lands on the appointed one, on Jesus, and stays on him. And that becomes the promise for the rest of humanity as they walk in and embrace the new covenant that Jesus opened up for us to walk into. So now the spirit fell on and inhabited humanity um, on that day. and. um, we see the picture of the spirit coming as wind and filling the room like a wind. Um, that wind was not a quiet, gentle breeze, but it says that it was loud and roaring um, and It sounds like it was probably very destructive and it brought a lot of chaos and um, we know that fires, the, uh, sorry, winds also fan the f- the fires into flame mm. and spread the fires. And um, Sean had a dream about that roaring wind at the end of last year, and I just wanted him to share that now.
0: So we were we were leading worship in this sh- massive auditorium, and literally everyone who's anywhere, everyone who's we know was in the building, like um, people from all over the world, leaders, worship leaders. And it was huge and naturally we were a bit nervous and so we start leading worship but as we start this massive wind comes on from behind us and and sweeps over the stage and pushes all our lyrics everywhere and so I have to kind of stop and scurry and pick up the lyrics and the wind kind of died down and as I put the lyrics back and got them all neat I started again and this wind came and pushed over the the stand the drum sorry the drums are falling everywhere <clears throat> and this just kind of happened happened but Finally we just stopped and we just started playing and as we started playing this wind just blew And every time the wind blew Literally the whole auditorium would just erupt in like this loud roar of praise Yeah
1: um, I, We felt at the time that that dream was so significant to us because It felt like the Lord was really teaching us how to trust Him and how to depend on Him Especially when things don't seem like they're going our way and at that time it didn't Seemed like everything we try to do just seemed to go wrong uh, we seem to stumble over ourselves and um, create a bit more mess, and we always often thought, was that pointless what we were doing? And the Lord just spoke to us, and He just said, just release control, because sometimes what we regard as chaos is actually His divine order, hmm. um, because it leads us to rely on Him and yeah. um, depend on Him and the way that He does things. And so now we try and create more space for the spirit to move, um, for him to have his way, because we know that ultimately he works things out for his good in a better way that we could even have planned for, prepared for. Um, and Romans 8:14 says it is the mature children of God who are moved by the impulses of the spirit. So um, no. No. yeah, that dream is really such a teaching moment um, to us about that wind. And sometimes um, just opening space for the spirits to come in and move in our lives and blow in our lives amongst the chaos um, and let him bring his divine order. Mm. Um, And so besides the wind, the wind is the one way that the Spirit comes and the word for um, the way the Spirit filled the room speaks of an inward filling. It speaks Mm. of a filling completely inside of us, taking hold of our hearts, taking hold of the cavity um, of our hearts and making us whole and complete. And then um, we see the filling um, of the fire as the fire falls on them and fills them. And the word is actually a different word for filling in this context. And it speaks about an outward filling, um, which is actually an equipping and an empowering to walk in the works and the ways um, uh, of Jesus. And um, so we see the pillar of fire falling down on um, the disciples in Acts 2 as a powerful symbol of the acceptance of the father Mm. um, where we were once rejected and separated from him and far off and that fire was um, on the altar on the mountain now that fire had fallen on the disciples Mm. Um, I just want to read Hebrews 12 verse 18 and it says for we are not coming as Moses did to a physical mountain With its burning fire, thick clouds of darkness and gloom, and with a raging whirlwind, we are not those who are being warned by the jarring blast of a trumpet and the thundering voice, the fearful voice that begged to be silenced. By contrast, we have already come near to a God in a totally different realm, the Zion realm. For we have entered the city of the living God, which is the new Jerusalem in heaven. We have joined the festival gathering of myriads of angels in their joyous celebration. Mm. So we see this fire actually taking us into the holy presence of God. We are no longer separated. He's no longer this fearful God high up on a mountain, but he comes a, becomes a father and a friend. And we are able to enter into that holy, fiery, passionate place. Mm. Um, And um, it's a symbol of humanity just being found pleasing and acceptable by him. And um, just such a picture of the approval of the sacrifice and a picture of how we have been co-crucified with Christ. And the fire falls on us. As Jesus becomes a sacrifice, we receive the fire, the acceptance of the Father. So we are, it's just a beautiful picture of that co-crucifixion. That we are brought into when jesus dies on the cross and now we become living sacrifices Mm. because of the resurrection life um, of jesus Um, so the fire that had once been far away and separate has now become close and um, we become that mountain that the fire falls on we become that altar Um, and the fire is also a picture of just that burning passionate heart of the father for us Um, the fire consumed everything that was put on that altar um, and he purified and cleansed and ignited anew um, whatever was laid on there and I actually had a dream about um, the fire of God the week before lockdown was announced there were still rumblings in the air um, we didn't know how the COVID-19 epidemic was going to affect South Africa but literally that week um, I had a dream that I was inside my house, and my house was on a steep bank, like a steep hill, and there was a cliff right in front. And I was in the house with my children, and um, suddenly this troop of gorillas started climbing up um, the face of the cliff, and they started coming up and coming towards my house, and I knew they were coming into my house to let off bombs, because they wanted to destroy my home. So I grabbed the children and I started running past them. They couldn't even see me. They were just on a mission. And I grabbed the children and we ran past them and we started running down the hill um, because I knew we needed to escape these blasts that were coming to destroy us and destroy the home. And um, as we got down the, the side of the steep hill, I looked, turned around and I looked back up at the hill, and the whole dream zoomed out. And I could see that the reason that my house was on the side of a hill and we were running down a hill was because actually my home was perched on the side of this huge mountain and this was the mountain of my life. And um, the mountain suddenly turned into the mountain that's actually the image that we used on the front cover of our album. Um, It's called Recovering the Magnificence and it's a beautiful mountain that was photographed by friends of ours. And um, suddenly this huge thundercloud started rolling in over the top of the mountain And lightning started flashing out the mountain and fire started falling from heaven. Mm. And I knew that this was the vengeance of God over my life and over our lives. And um, suddenly in comparison to the Father's fire and the Father's passion and the Father's ownership over me, and His covering over me, that little fire that was being set off by my enemies um, was nothing. Mm. They were tiny little sparks compared to this powerful fire that was falling from heaven. And um, I heard a voice saying, I'm coming to recover the magnificence of my bride. Mm. And I knew in that moment that what we were going to be facing was probably going to be really hard, and we were going to be facing a lot of difficult situations where it looked like. Um, a lot of things were going to blow up in our faces and everything we had built was going to be destroyed and come down whether it was our own home and our own family or whether it was our church community whether our home represented um, just the church in general Um, but I knew that the Father was saying that His passion of fire He is a consuming fire Mm. that means that He consumes our life He covers over our life He wants us, He's accepted us and approved of us and He won't let anyone else have their way over our lives Um, So the fire of Pentecost is just such a beautiful picture of the fire coming to claim humanity as his own and take ownership over his people. Um, And what's so beautiful is that after this moment of Pentecost where the wind comes, causes chaos, the fire falls and sets the disciples all ablaze, we see the Spirit um, filling believers as the disciples go out and preach. Suddenly, they're preaching the good news of Jesus, and they see there's a, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit that accompanies the preaching of the message of Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, in Acts 11, verse 17, we see Peter preaching to these um, men who are not even Jews, and he says, um, He's actually astounded because he said, It looks like God is pleased to give them the same gift He gave to us after they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it seems like it was just another learning moment for the disciples. Wow, we preach Jesus, and we see the fire being poured out just as we received him. So they became co-baptizers as well of this beautiful fire of Jesus. Mm. And um, it was just an incredible picture as well of Jesus teaching the disciples about, um, about walking with him and relying upon the Spirit, and the disciples relying upon a beautiful relationship with the Holy Spirit. And um, we just see Jesus as he comes onto the earth and he spends three years with his disciples mentoring them and teaching them and showing them what it means to live a life in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this took time and a lot of training and a lot of back and forth and um, until ultimately their hearts were ready to receive this gift on the day of Pentecost. And but we just see uh, Jesus' complete dependence upon the Spirit of God um, that was destined to be our way of life. We see Jesus being conceived by the Holy Spirit. We see him being led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness, into a a bad place. We see the Holy Spirit being with him in the desert and calling him, um, leading him back out of that desert space, and he was filled with an great, even greater power. We see him um, relying on the Holy Spirit to do miracles and signs and wonders. Um, we see him, We see Jesus facing death on the cross by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus lay dead and lifeless, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that was hovering over his body that raised him from the dead in that moment. And so we see Romans 8 verse 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he will also give life to your mortal body and raise you from the dead. And just like Jesus, we can fully rely on the, on the Holy Spirit. We can call out for his empowering in every single area of our life. Um, we can be fully assured of the Lord's passionate fire for us. The Holy Spirit can resurrect any dead part of our life because death is not a dead end anymore. Because at that point of death is where Jesus broke the curse. Mm -hmm. So anything that looks like death is a promise of resurrection life because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is our great assurance because that's what humanity needed. They needed assurance because in the Old Testament, people would see the Spirit come and then they would see the Spirit leave. And um, they needed their eyes to be opened and their hearts to be opened to know that they were fully acceptable. They needed Jesus to come to be their full assurance so they could no longer hide behind a veil, but they could fully enter into his, the mm. presence of the fire of the Lord. Um, so the Holy Spirit's our great assurance, a constant reminder of our union. He's a seal over our hearts, convincing us that we belong to the family of God. He gives our spirit a voice a way to cry out, Abba, Father, to accept our place in family. Um, here's our comforter and our friend. We are no longer alone. Mm. The Father gave us the gift of His precious Son. The Son gave us the gift of His precious Holy Spirit. And the Spirit gives us the gift of eternal life with the Father and the Son. So Mm. this is not for one day when we get to heaven. But this is for right now, because the wedding is over because of what happened on that day of Pentecost. Humanity was poured, the Spirit of God was poured out on humanity. Um, And if you feel like these concepts of fire and wind um, are far off and lofty ideas and complicated and not part of your reality. then I just wanna encourage you to open up your heart to the Spirit and ask him to reveal himself to you in new ways that seem strange and different, but in ways that you've never experienced him before. Um, We shared two dreams that we had um, where the Spirit spoke to our imagination through symbols and through metaphors um, to show us his nature and his love and care for us and to explain what was going on in our lives. Um, uh, the Spirit is the well in the garden of our lives, He's the well in the garden of our marriage and of our friendships, He keeps us united and we, we drink from Him every day and um, the Spirit is also constantly revealing the heart of the Father to you and I know that the Spirit wants you to hear what the Father has to say over your life. So I just want to encourage you um, just to ask the Spirit to reveal Himself to new ways um, in your life and um, yeah that you would be able to draw from him and that these concepts would become your reality that the spirit would (coughs) become your reality as was promised by Jesus
0: sure I want to pray for us before we go into a time of worship Um, so if you wherever you are at home in the kitchen just uh, yeah let's just reach out to God and let's just I just want to pray a little prayer for us thank you for your promises Father thank you For this indwelling of the holy spirit i pray everything we have shared this morning if there's anything that we are left with if there's anything that's going to be planted in the garden of our hearts is that you are with us that we are strong and victorious before the fight has even started i pray you would awaken souls and awaken hearts this morning i pray you would redeem thought lives you would redeem um, imaginations and that we would begin to dream with you again father when everything is telling us don't dream slip into survival mode concentrate everything on what you have father you show us a different way that the holy spirit and your outpouring at pentecost is generous the collateral damage of the holy spirit that day was three thousand people being added to the family of god and may we live in that reality you are generous all of heaven is generous thank you father just protect and seal every truth that has been planted this morning in jesus name thank you for listening for more information please visit our website thecollectivechurch.ca.za